1: Welcome to Hey YA! From great new books to favorite classic reads, new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey Hey, YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azapetti and me, Tears of Price. We are recording this on December 1st and as I am speaking, it is flurrying outside and (gasps) yes, so happy December
2: that's kind of cool y'all got december flurries on the first that's like michigan is very organized <laughs> right
1: we were oh, like okay. okay
2: december time for snow time for yeah I'm, this is I,
1: not I, the first I... snow
2: yeah it's oh, not the okay. first snow
1: we've had but it's okay. it's very appropriately
2: seasonal yeah it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna bless y'all with a little snow i yeah i i like like um christmas and stuff to be snowy but i don't want to deal with the snow <laughs> actually the drive around I mean, I feel the bad driving bad.
1: yeah yeah the windshield wipers not as fun yeah that's my not. i'm i'm very fortunate that every morning when i go to take my spouse to work because we only have one car um they I drive, but they, they scrape the windows and I feel so pampered when they're you know, scraping the windows and I'm like, ooh, I don't have to do this. Um, they find it very satisfying. So
2: I'm like, you know what? If you find That's- that fun, go for All it. Right. Perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. What's that phrase? If my partner doesn't scrape the snow off the windshield, I don't want them. <laughs> my, listen, if my romance does not include windshield scraping, you can keep it. Because- I was
1: like, you know, this is just true love i think because i hate scraping I my car so.
2: <laughs> um yeah I so get so. you a partner but, who? Um, get you exactly get you someone who can do both that and something else but mostly that yes absolutely oh my goodness
1: yes so it is december we are winding down the year but we are like not quite ready to do best or favorite books of the year that's going to be in two weeks but we're starting to see a lot of best of lists and so our news of the day is um the best ya audiobooks Mm. from audiophile magazine um and this is a good list um have you listened Mm -hmm. or read any of the books on this
2: list not the ya ones honestly although like all of just about all of the ya books on here are on my list i just haven't gotten to them yet i've read some of the other non-ya or listened rather to some of the other non-ya books and they've been great but not the ya ones how about you um, I have
1: not read or listened to any of them, which bad me, but mm. um, Ander and yeah, Santi Were good. Here by Johnny garza via um, For Lamb by Lisa Klein Ransom, Free Radicals by Lila Reeson. The Grimoire of Grey Fates by Hannah Alcalf and Margaret um, Owens. It's edited by them. And then they have a bunch of other authors who contribute, which um, if that is on my TBR. I actually mm. um, was going to put in a library request for that one. Um, Only This Beautiful moment by Abdi Nazamian, uh, which I did read his other a couple of his other books, but I haven't read this newest one. And then Warrior Girl on Earth by Angeline Bully, which I have in print and I am hoping to read this month. But yeah, I haven't listened to any of these but i think
2: that's a good list it's a great list i have all of them except for like one like on arc but i don't have all of the audiobooks yeah i
1: definitely was bookmarking this list because i am somebody who i listen to a lot of audiobooks but Mm -hmm. i like it when like if you can give me like a reason why you should like listen to the audio over reading the print like i like to know that because i i do like I feel like my audio book reading and like my print reading, um, lives are, you know, separate, very separate, like in yeah. terms of like, there are some things that I'm like, I know automatically like, no, I want to do that in audio and some things I'm like, mm, I want to read that in print. So like I did do, um, let's see, uh, Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully in audio, and it was narrated by Isabella Starr LeBlanc, who also does Warrior Girl on Earth, and her audiobook narration was really great. Mm. But I know that um, I want to read Warrior Girl on Earth in print, so I'm probably not going to do the audio on that, even though I know that the narrator is great. So that's my perspective.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have the same thing. Like some books, I want to read in print. Whether that is like on the Kindle or like physical copies, and that's even kind of a different thing. And then audiobooks are a different experience. So for me, too, I I feel you on that for sure. Yeah. So anyhow, but that's a
1: great list. Yeah, it Um, is a pretty good list. We are going to hear from our first
2: sponsor, but we will be back in just a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies. And that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of When We Were Silent by Fiona McPhillips. So, Louise Manson is the newest student at Highfield Manor, Dublin's most exclusive private school. Behind its granite walls are high arched alcoves and oak lined library and the dark secret Lou has come to expose. So Lou's working class status makes her the consummate outsider. That is until she's befriended by some of her beautiful and wealthy classmates. But after Lou attempts to bring the school's secret to light, her time at Highfield ends with a lifeless body sprawled at her feet. Then 30 years later, Lou gets a shocking phone call. A high profile lawyer is bringing a lawsuit against the school and he needs Lou to testify. Lou will have to confront her past and discover once and for all what really happened at Highfield. Powerful and compelling, When We Were Silent is a thrilling story of exploitation, privilege and retribution with themes of revenge, love, power and secrets. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of When We Were Silent by Fiona McPhillips for sponsoring this episode.
1: Okie doke. So, readers. It is happening. We are bringing paperbacks. Um, whether you or a reader you know and love hates carrying around, you know, bulky hardcovers or if you're on a budget or if you just want a wider range of recommendations or all of the above, you can now get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. And I am a bibliologist, so you might get me. Um, so the holidays are here and we've got various levels of um subscription plans. They're perfect for gifting and they can suit every budget. Um, so you can just get the recs, get paperbacks, or get hardcovers. Um, you can get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. Okie doke. So we are making good on our promise from two weeks ago. We're going to be talking about cozy mysteries.
2: Hey i
1: was really excited that you brought this up and i was like immediately in the moment like we should do a podcast episode on that um and i'm glad that we just decided to dive in and do it rather than like Mm -hmm. table it for the new year um because i think i think cozy mysteries are so interesting like do you
2: read a lot of cozy mysteries i do but interestingly enough Kind of how we were just talking about compartmentalizing audiobooks versus print. I feel like I don't read a lot of YA cozy mysteries. Yes. I feel like in, in researching new books for this list that I hadn't already read, because some of them I had already read, um, I realized that I, I feel like YA cozy mysteries are kind of hard to find. I feel I feel like they're not labeled as such. Yes, I agree. I don't know with if that's that. just me, right? Yeah, it's weird. No. It's odd. I, I come agree across a that. lot of like thrillers, like a lot of great. I think this is what kind of what we were talking about in the last full episode a couple weeks ago. I come across a lot of like thrillers that sound wonderful, but they're like a little like they're not cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, how was your experience? Well, I
1: no, I think that's that's correct because I think if you just like Google like YA cozy mysteries, you're not gonna get like a full list of like, oh, look at these 20 must read, you know, cozy mysteries. Or at least I was getting some results, but I wasn't always sure if I agreed that they were cozy. And so I think that's kind of what I wanted to talk about for a second. Mm. Of, like what what do you think makes a cozy mystery? Like what mm. is a cozy mystery?
2: Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. It's definitely a mood, a vibe, and it might be different from your definition of it and other people's. I think cozy mystery for me is like, it's not a lot. There's not a lot of like gore or violence. yeah. And there's probably not even a lot of like heart pounding moments, probably maybe like at the, the showdown at the end, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if the amateur sleuth comes up against, um, the perpetrator and they like you know get trapped or something even though their detective friend told them not to go by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Something like that. Um, And that's the most and that still is is even not that serious. Um, There's not there's just like not a lot of graphic stuff. It might even be a little silly. It kind of helps you decompress when you read it. It's like relaxing to read. Maybe there's a fun puzzle aspect to it. And I was yeah. starting to there were some YA books that I felt like were kind of made me feel cozy in that way. But I was like, and I'll ask you this. Some of them were like heist, heisty. And yeah. I was like, does that count as a cozy mystery? Is, uh, in it, my... is that more like a thriller? Cozy yeah. Thriller? yeah. I
1: don't necessarily think of heists as like cozy. But I do yeah. think that you, what you're getting at is that like... Mm, yeah, cozies are kind of a little bit hard to pin down. Um, yeah. But also, I think we have been sort of reinventing and expanding the idea of what a cozy mystery can be in the mm-hmm. last few years. So um, because I'm a big nerd, and because I also um, happen to write mysteries, I have this book that I, I found really interesting. Like, I'm not going to say it's like, oh my gosh, the best book, like you should get this if you want to write a mystery. But I, it's been illuminating and interesting in certain aspects. It's called How to Write a Mystery and it's a handbook for Mystery Writers of America. It's edited by Lee Child and Lori R. King. And what's cool about this book is that it has um a ton of different chapters from different mystery writers about various aspects and subgenres of mystery and thriller writing. Um, so I think this is a book that like you, you know, you can kind of cherry pick what you think is useful to you. Um but the the introduction has like a de- like a long long introduction with definitions of all the different types of murder mysteries and so i w- i was curious and i looked up what um lee child thought cozy mystery was and this is a quote in the cozy the setting is usually rural or small town the violence most often occurs off stage the sex and profanity are minor to non-existent and the investigator is usually an amateur and most often a woman whose interests lie elsewhere knitting or baking or antiques so okay um, so end quote (laughs) yeah and i think like um (laughs) yeah
2: okay
1: and some of those like i do kind of agree with like in a yeah. cozy mystery you're not going to have on-page violence you're really not going to have on-page like sex or gore or profanity um yeah. which isn't to say you can't have romance um but i think like he was kind of getting i think at the themed mysteries like you know the cozy cat knitting and bakery mysteries which yeah to be honest like that is not really my like my speed like I I -uh. don't really care to read those which is why for a long time I was kind of like me about you know cozy mysteries yeah um which is funny because I've written one but um (laughs) that is very funny (laughs) I've written three (laughs) but um yeah so but I think that kind of gets me into like I, I do think that like millennial writers are kind of reinventing the genre a little bit Mm -hmm. and expanding what it can be. And this is an adult example, but like Jesse Q Satanto's dial a for aunties. Like those are, I think those are cozy mysteries, but they tend to be a little bit more mainstream. And I don't think people look at them and think cozy because they're not mass market paperbacks and they don't have a punny title. Although they, I guess they do sort of have a punny title, but like, you know, it's not like, you know, perfect murder or something like
2: that (laughs) with a cat on the cone. Um, it, just, it took me 0. 0.5 too long to get what you were saying. No. Yes, I got it. Oh, so,
1: yeah, as, and like there's a lot of um, another example, I think, and this is adult as well. Um, Bored to Death by C.J. O'Connor, who's a Book Riot um, contributor. That hey, is hey, a hey. queer yeah, it's a queer, cozy mystery about board games. And I think that yeah, I just think that like more people like our age and, and younger are sort of reinventing like what it can mean to like what a cozy mystery is and not necessarily like um you know it's a 50 some year old lady who has a bookshop by the sea and she's solving mysteries with her cat
2: you know yeah i think it's i like that you bring that up specifically like the millennial mystery because another book riot contributing writer jamie Canavese, has written um an article on that i will include a link to it in the show notes, but it's basically talking about how millennials are redefining cozy mysteries. And, um, she goes in depth with that. Like another good one, not YA, but I've read this one myself, Hollywood homicide. I don't know if you've. Uh, oh Kelly uh, yeah. Kelly Garrett. I've heard of mm-hmm. it. I haven't read it. It's yeah. funny, but it's like, um, a black woman trying to be a, an actor or formerly tried to be an actor, or whatever in LA. And she amateur sleuths, etc etc and cozy things and cozy things yeah um, but yeah that definition from the book is so interesting because i that totally is not i'm just thinking about like agatha christie um i feel like her we might are, say
1: yeah, yeah who we might say is like the og yeah cozy mystery writer and not all of her books are cozy because a couple of them get a little bit dark but yeah
2: but i'm like I mean, she does have Miss. She did have Miss Marple, which Mm -hmm. fits kind of like that um, definition from that book. But then there was also Poirot, who doesn't fit that. And And, um, lesser known Tommy and Temperance. Um,
1: Oh yeah, they're pretty cozy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. oh, they're like my favorite, and they are not as well known. But um, yeah, so I think um, yeah, I think that like. I used to be of the opinion like what's the point of reading cozy mysteries because like I do like dark mysteries and thrillers like I just do I like it I mean I think that there's a part of you where like you know that bad things happen in the world and like being able to explore that in a book feels safer than like having to reckon with it in your own backyard Um, and so for a while I didn't understand why people would want to read cozy mysteries but then I started rereading Agatha Christie and I was like well that's Silly tears i like, of course, people like cozy mysteries because people like the puzzle, but they yeah. don't necessarily want the darkness and the gore and the
2: sex that's, and like the nihilism. So that's why I was like, Heist kind of right? almost start to feel like like, especially when I was looking up other books that I hadn't read to just in to include with this episode. Um, I'm like i start to feel like cozies because of like the appeal of cozies for some for some people is the puzzle aspect the gentle puzzle
1: Okay. Yeah, well, and I do think that kind of speaks to how much like cozy everything has become popular lately True. in publishing. True, it, but like also I think in media in general, um, like I think twenty twenty did a number on all of us, and now oh we like just want more like cozy type things. And like you're seeing cozy fantasy, and I've even yeah. heard people be like cozy romance, and I'm like, is it romance?
2: romance? <laughs> yeah,
1: I was say, or, it kind of. But, like, cozy romance that, like, doesn't deal with trauma because some romance does kind of deal with that. So I I just think it's interesting to see. But I also think it's exciting because I think people are, yeah, like I said, just sort of expanding this idea of, like, what cozy mysteries can be. Yeah. And I kind of want to loop back around to our initial, like, opening statement, which is that, like, there doesn't seem to be as much cozy YA. And I wonder if that's because in the adult sphere, people need to define like they need to have like cozy YA or not cozy YA, but cozy mysteries as a definition, because like they need to kind of separate that out from the like more adult and darker stuff. Whereas YA mm. mysteries, like, I feel like it's kind of all gets thrown together. Like you do have YA yeah. mysteries where they're not necessarily like, they're not dark, they're not violent, but they are good mysteries. And then you have like the, you know, the darker stuff and um, they kind of tend to get like, just get thrown together. And there's maybe not as much darker YA mystery as there is like the not so dark stuff. So maybe there hasn't been like that need to kind of differentiate between like darker YA mystery and cozy YA mystery. Um But yeah, it's been hard for me to kind of identify like what is like true YA cozy mystery because in my mind, cozy mystery is definitely a vibe, and I can't always communicate what that is. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, I think too to add my two cents to that. I I think you make some great points as to why there seems to be fewer YA cozy mysteries. Um, I wonder too if if it's just not like like you were just saying. The cozy mystery for adults is getting redefined with this new generation, like millennials and perhaps Gen Z, Gen Zers as well. Um, and I feel like I wonder if, I wonder if it just hasn't reached YA yet, because mm-hmm. I think before, like you were saying before there was this image of what cozy mysteries were and you were saying like oh you kind of weren't messing with that like you weren't really interested in it but now our generation has revamped it and now it's like oh we're we've made it interesting for us more interesting for us and no shade to people who like the other um type of cozies no shade obviously but i'm just saying like i wonder if cozies need to be like revamped for ya audiences and maybe that just hasn't happened yet
1: Yeah, I feel like it hasn't really happened like on a widespread level, but I'm also not surprised if we're going to see more YA mysteries that feel cozy-ish coming forward.
2: Yeah, I think they will be coming out more because like you said, everything is cozy. I was going to ask you, going back to how you said you were not really interested in cozy mysteries before, but then you started to be interested in them. I also used to be super into darker things, whether that was mystery or fantasy or whatever, like in my 20s. But now, like, in my 30s, I'm like, give me the cozy. Do you feel like you had the same, like, progression? Or was it more so, like, 2020 hit and it, like, messed everybody up for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still like reading dark mysteries and thrillers. Like, I feel like I have a much lower tolerance for reading about sexual violence than I did in my twenties. Yeah. Um, Which I, you know, Life experience, just like, yeah, I don't have as much tolerance for that anymore. Yeah. Like, I can still read it, but I, you know, and it's not like I need a content warning, but like, it, it sticks with me and it's harder to kind of just move past it. So, yeah. in that sense, like, I do feel like, oh, it's nice to have more like cozy options out there because I can just go in and be like, I'm not going to, you know, read about anything brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like I really like things that are really well written and funny um so if you give me like something humorous like dial a for aunties by jesse Stutanto, like that that is totally like you know I, i i love that stuff so um i like seeing more of that out there and i like being able to pick up that i like just like having more options i think
2: so yeah no that's yeah i mean yeah my goodreads tbr is like 2000 plus so i feel you on the option front (laughs) yeah. I totally agree on that. But yeah, so it's an interesting, I, I didn't realize it would be, um, it would be kind of, I didn't, I didn't realize this was the state of YA Cozy Mysteries. It was interesting to look into though.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah it's pretty cool and it was fun and i you know we're gonna talk about some books and we'll probably need to um do that fast because man we have a lot to go through over and we've chatted a lot already but i will give some shout outs to i think some authors who've been basically writing cozy ish type mysteries for a long time Mm -hmm. and maybe aren't being identified as such but um they definitely have a like good long backlist so if you are interested in this you should go back and and read more of those so yeah okay we are going to start talking about books now but first let's hear from our sponsor
2: today's episode is brought to you by gallery books so anna green thought she was marrying liam west for access to subsidized family housing while at ucla which is an interesting reason to marry someone but you know in this economy so anyway she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done Today's episode is brought to you by World Editions, publisher of Salamalik by Khaled al-Asmael. In this unflinching story about Arab masculinity and homoeroticism, Farat, a Syrian in his early 20s, visits Sibki Park in Damascus, one of the city's most popular cruising areas. There he learns about the Hammams, secret meeting places for gay men located throughout the old city. So inside these public baths, the air is thick with the scent of bay laurel soap, and naked men hide in the steam. Ferd faces sometimes violent disapproval from all levels of society, regime, religion, the man in the street, you name it. And yet he manages to find the love he's been seeking just before his world collapses and he's forced to flee. Find out more about Salamlik by Khaled Alasmail, translated from the Arabic by Larry Price at IndiePubs.com slash products slash Salamlik. That's S-E-L-A-M-L-I-K. And thanks again to World Editions, publisher of Salamlik by Khaled al for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Erica,
1: what do you want to talk about first?
2: Okay, so I just discovered this series like a couple weeks ago and it has had me in a chokehold. Like it has um it's a manga series. And nice. I yeah, I um started with it through the anime um and once the anime episodes cuz it's a new anime. Let me tell you what it is. It's called The Apothecary Diaries by Natsu Hyuga and it follows a young apothecary. It's in I forgot the era in China, but it takes place in China actually. Um and like 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 hundreds of years ago. So Mao Mao lives with her dad. She's an apothecary and she services Um, different she provides different medicines and stuff, her and her father. Her father taught her everything she knows. It kind of seems like he found her and it's not her biological father, but I'm still not, you know, I've got some reading to do on that. Um, and so basically, um, she gets kidnapped one day by this group of guys when she's out foraging for herbs and stuff, ingredients for her apothecary items. She gets kidnapped and sold to the palace to work as a servant girl. So, um, she tries to keep her head down and there's this thing where, like, if she lets them know she can read, she'll get paid more. Because what happens is, um, she gets paid for her work, you know, pretty low wages. But some of them, some of the money gets sent back to her family. I'm doing air quotes because the family is technically the kidnappers, but, you know, that time in the world wasn't super um, fair for girls. So, she she has to serve out a term a certain amount of time that she has to be there. So she's like, I'm just going to keep my head down, do my little servant girl work, whatever. Then I'll go back to my dad. She notices that the emperor has, um, well, he has a few concubines and two of them are pregnant at once. And they have a baby. They each have a baby and the babies start getting sick. And then Mao Mau realizes why they're getting sick. And the doctor the palace doctor doesn't realize, but she knows. So she tries to tell them kind of secretly because again, she doesn't want anyone to know what she knows. She doesn't want anyone to give her any extra attention. She wants to do her work and leave. So one of the concubines listens to the note and the other one doesn't. And so her baby passes away. But so then Mau Mau eventually gets found out by there's a eunuch, his name is Jinshi He's like this really beautiful, handsome, whatever. All the girls are like, oh my God, he's so fine. So he's also very clever. So he notices like there's some clues or whatever he notices. Um, and he thinks it's her. And so he kind of tricks her into revealing herself. She shows that she can read accidentally. And so she's found out. And then she gets hired on to be um, one of the concubines, ladies-in-waiting. And so... From that point on, sometimes Jinshi has some things for her to do. Um, and then sometimes she finds little mysteries and stuff that she solves. So it's really cool. It's a different setting. I was not expecting to like this series as much. I threw the anime on. I was like, oh, this will be a cute little thing to see in the background. It looked cute. It's like, like there are some serious themes in it, obviously. I think this is also more so for the older end of the spectrum as, as far as YA is concerned. Um, but I was like, oh, this will be like a cute little chill thing. Um, and it is still chill, but oh my God, I was just like, oh my God, I love this story so much. Mao Mao is, it's funny because like I said, Jin Shi is like really handsome and charming and all the girls are like fainting anytime he looks at them. And then like when he talks to her, tries to flirt with her, she like literally shudders. So he's like intrigued by it. It's kind of like a funny little side story, whatever. Anyway, so I love her as a character. It's such an interesting setting. Um, it, it can be tragic at times, but still how the stories, how the um, mysteries are set up, it still gives that cozy feeling. So I went out and bought all of the manga volumes. So if that's any indication. Again, that's The Apothecary Diaries by Natsu Huga.
1: Nice. Um, I really appreciate that you always are coming in with the manga recommendations that is not, <laughs> that's not at my wheelhouse, but I appreciate it because I know too, like if there's any like te- teachers or librarians listening, like that's so popular in my libraries. And I was always like researching a lot to, to bring those up. So yay. Thank you for that. Yay, for sure. Uh- My first recommendation is a series. It is the agency series um, by YS Yang. And um, the first book is called a spy in the house. And I love this series so much. I Mm. stumbled upon it like four or five years ago. It is older. I think it came out in like 2012 ish. Um, And it is about Mary and she, as a child um, was an orphan. Like her, her um, father died at sea. Her mother died shortly thereafter leaving her an orphan in London. And um, so she just does not have anybody. And what she did was um, she fell into this gang of children that were like street kids and they were just like stealing to survive. Um, And then she gets caught stealing and, um, that carries the death penalty, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, I could have stronger language for that, but this podcast mm. is family friendly. Mm. <laughs> um, but pretty ridiculous. But that was that was the time. Like she was sentenced to hang for her crimes because she was stealing oh to God. survive, and there was nobody else looking after these children. And so she's about ready to hang when this mysterious woman sweeps up, and she like basically is like, "No, no, no, no let me." Let me take care of her. I own a girl's school. She will work for me. She will you know, pay back her debt to society. She can still be saved. And so she is rescued from the gallows by this strange woman. And she is. She's taken to this finishing school for girls. And she's taught how to um, basically be a working class young lady um, with the intent that she'll probably become like a governess or a lady's companion or something like that. Um, until she is about ready to graduate from the school and she has no plans for her future. And so she's, there, she's asked to stay on as a teacher. Um, but then when she says yes, it's revealed that the school is actually a front for um, England's uh, all-female espionage site. <gasps> Yes. Um, And they ask her to become an agent. And so she agrees. And so she's being trained as this like secret agent. And so the first book is her first solo case where she is placed as a lady's companion in this house. Um, where she's having to you know investigate some mysterious happenings in this house and and the idea is that like you know she she's a woman so nobody will suspect that she's actually you know being a spy right um and the mystery is really great and so there's four books in the series and every book has its own mystery and its own sort of arc um but you want to read them in order because there is an overarching you know character arc um and there's a romance too that happens oh. over the course of the four books um which i appreciate i like it when you have like a like a sort of slow burn romance like they meet in the first book but like they don't you know get together right away but they they kind of keep meeting each other and that's what's cool about the series but um the other thing that i think is really awesome about this series is um as you read the book, you realize that Mary has a secret and it is a secret that she has kept so well that not even, you know, the people who rescued her and who've given her his job and her headmistresses of the school know about her secret. And that is she's biracial and she passes as white pretty well. So it's diverse. It's really compelling. It's feminist, great mysteries. Highly recommend it. So that is the Agency Series by Y.S. Lee. And the first book is A Spy in the House.
2: That sounds amazing. It's so good. That sounds really good.
1: I love it so much. That kind of
2: reminds me of the other book. I'm blanking on the name. But it had um, a disabled main character. Um, But it was was a Three Musketeers Musketeers retelling. And she got sent to uh, like a finishing school or something i'm forgetting you know what i'm talking about but it turned out they were like spies
1: i'm blanking on this but i know which book you're you know talking, talking about, about. All right. i'm gonna i can
2: i can even not. picture the cover okay I know, we'll come like, back to that red, it's a red dress she's wearing like a red dress lily
1: lily lane um all for one all for one, one
2: no one, one, is, for one, one for all one for all yeah it was three something three yes one for all I'm looking at it now. I was like, yes. Yes. Yep, perfect. I like there that we go. were on the same page. That we kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Or I should say, well, yeah. So I I was like, when you were like, oh, she goes to this finishing school. I'm like, they're spies, aren't they? I know they're spies. <laughs> so that sounds really good. I'm excited to put that on my TBR. The Yay. next one I have. Yes. So exciting! So next, one I have is called Goldie Vance by Hope Larson. It's illustrated by Brittany Williams, and it is another graphic novel. You know, that's my bag. I like, I like, I like the pictures. All right, um, this one has such pretty pictures. It is kind of like a retro, kind of like a uh, like an updated, like more diverse Nancy Drew situation. Like, kind of the art kind of reminds me of that. I should say I never really read Nancy Drew. Did you read Nancy Drew back in the day? I honestly did
1: not. I read a few. I mean, I read a few Nancy Drew mysteries, but I did not like read a ton of Nancy Drew.
2: Oh, okay. No. I remember there being a lot in the library and I just never gravitated towards them. But um, I mean, they were cute. Whatever. So anyway, Goldie Vance. Goldie is 16 years old. She's, like, super curious. She's just, like, a detective at heart. She lives at a uh, resort with her dad in Florida. And she wants to be, like, the hotel's detective, right? And so um, she goes around solving mysteries and stuff like that. And there are different mysteries for, like, the different chapters. I think the first, very first chapter, she, like, helps find somebody's kid and he's very like nonchalant about it. And she has like different partners and stuff. And they they do everything from like like I said, finding missing kids to stolen jewelry. And it's just like a fun little. It's a fun good time. Have you have you read this one? Um. Yes, I love
1: Goldie Vance.
2: Goldie Vance is so much fun, and there there's at least four of them.
1: Yeah, I think there's just four of the graphic novels. Yeah, but then there's a spinoff middle grade um, prose series that's written by William I... Rivera. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely I... more middle grade. But I feel
2: like mm-hmm. if you like them both, you will enjoy them. Both. You'll probably will still like it. Yeah. So this is like this is like perfectly cozy for me. Well, the Apothecary Diaries is also perfectly cozy. But again, that was a little more. That's technically considered sign-in uh, manga which is like more so like 17 18 year old plus which is on, again on the older end of the spectrum for YA but this is like perfectly in the middle I think it's super cozy it's super fun it's pretty to look at the art is fun I don't know I there are drag races it's it puzzles it's a fun it's a fun time like I recommend it so Goldie Vance by Hope Larson, illustrated by Brittany Williams. Yay. All right. My next
1: recommendation is, again, like it's just sort of a um, like a multiple book, single author type recommendation. It is the um, Regency Era Mysteries by Cindy Anstey. Um, who is sadly passed away, which oh no. um, made me so sad. She passed away of mm. cancer a few years ago. Oh but um, her first book, I believe, was "Love, Lies, and Spies." Um, I have not read that one, but I have read "Carol's and Chaos," and "Duels and Deceptions," and essentially these are um, Regency set. Um, mysteries Mm. and i love them so much so i will tell you about um carols and chaos because it's really delightful it's set in 1817 and it is about a lady's maid who is really really busy because she works in this very fancy big house um, and it's yuletide season. So like everybody's coming for parties and for staying for the holidays. And she's trying to save up money and she's just working to the bone. Um, and then um, she meets um, this young man named Matt, who is a valet for some guests that are coming to visit this manor. And so they are falling in love while also um, un- like they sort of uncover this counterfeiting scheme (laughs) that is going on and um so there's mystery but there's romance it's kind of it's very lighthearted. this one happens Mm. to be holiday themed but not all of them are holiday themed um but they're just really great so again her titles um that one's carols and chaos um she has duels and deceptions um love lies and spies and suitors and sabotage um, and I really, truly wish that she had lived to write more of these books because I think that they are delightful. Um, so those are books by Cindy Anstie, Ancy, um, Ancy, excuse me. So I highly recommend checking those out. Like they're still wildly widely available. You can get them very easily, I think, through your bookstores or your libraries.
2: Nice. Yes. So I will get into the next book right after we hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by The Safe Keep by Yael van der Walden. This new debut is an exhilarating, twisting tale of desire, suspicion, and obsession between two women staying in the same house in the Dutch countryside during the summer of 1961. It's a powerful exploration of the legacy of World War II and the darker parts of our collective past. It's mysterious, sophisticated, sensual and infused with intrigue, atmosphere, and sex, The Safekeep* is a brilliantly plotted and provocative debut novel you won't soon forget. Also, it's literary enough if you like literary fiction while still being spicy enough for certain corners of book talk. You know the corners I'm talking about. And while at first there's a cool detachment to these characters and this story, the heat builds and builds until it explodes into a tale of twisted desires, histories and homes and the unexpected shape of revenge. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to The Safe Keep by Yale Vanderwilden
0: for sponsoring this episode. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by LavenderCon and Little District Books. LavenderCon, which is just the best name for a book festival, is a new book festival in Washington DC. It's presented by Little District Books, which is Washington DC's all-queer bookstore, both of whom are dedicated to celebrating LGBTQIA authors and stories. The festival will feature over 80 authors, including Terry J. Benton Walker, the author of the Blood Debts duology, famed audiobook narrator Natalie Nottis with her debut romance novel called Gay the Prey Away and Rashid Newsom, author of My Government Means to Kill Me. And as I am looking at the website right now, breaking news, I saw a familiar face and that is Book Riot Senior Contributor Susie Dumont. I'm so excited to see her name on this list. Author of Queerly Beloved and Looking for a Sign. So you have so many great authors to discover at the festival. LavenderCon will feature 20 plus panels with topics for middle grade, young adult and adult readers discussing romance, fantasy, horror, writing craft and more. There will be a queer artist market so you can go nab all of the great art and stickers and pins and handmade goods. The festival is happening June 29th and 30th in Washington, D.C., and you can either grab Saturday, Sunday, or two-day VIP tickets, which come with a few extra perks. Thank you once again to LavenderCon and Little District Books for sponsoring today's show. We hope you make your way over to the festival.
2: Okay, so my next one, I kind of was like, it's been a while since I read this. And I think you and I, not I think, I know that we discussed this series the inheritance Games, <laughs> yes by jennifer lynn barnes it's been ai don't know i guess i read this earlier in the year it's been a minute and i've forgotten a lot of it like a lot of the details i remember the o- overarching story of course and i also remember how it made me feel so i was like it kind of was giving cozy but then that that goes back <gasps> yeah. to right like is that just me am i bugging on that i know i think part of it is like there's sort of like this
1: sort of fantastical element of like oh a billionaire names you his heir and then like now you have to solve a bunch of puzzles and mysteries and like there are high stakes but it's not like it's dark and people are getting off around every corner but like there is some yeah like there is a little danger there's a little danger there there's you know some deaths and whatnot that are not entirely natural causes but you're right
2: it does kind of give like a cozier bet Right? Like it's not like Goldie Vance Apothecary Diaries are like perfectly smack dab for me in the middle of like, oh, this is very cozy. But Inheritance Games also gives me like the coziness. Like there's the the puzzle aspect, the stakes aren't super high, but they're kind of high. And so, yeah, I was like, I took a step back and I was like, oh, this is kind of cozy for me, even though I feel like it's not advertised as such but yeah yeah I saw someone describe it as as knives out but like for YA and I was like no yeah it is why knives yes. out is cozy for me like,
1: cozy kn- knives out me. is cozy yeah. yeah yeah I would say Absolutely. knives out is
2: cozy
1: yeah so yeah, and
2: kn- knives out for YA
1: is the perfect description for this book
2: right that's why I was like that made it click and I was like oh I totally didn't even think to include this so I still need to read the third book though so there's
1: there's, have you finished the third one I have not um and in fact I I do have like because I've been living out of boxes for the last four months oh my god and I have this box that I've pulled out, like, books that I, like, want to read sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I that series is in the box because I want to, like, just read all of them at once. Um, but for me, it has now been over a year since I read the first book. So I'm like, ooh, do I start – do I reread the first book? I think yeah. I probably will because it was a pretty quick read. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I would like to read, like, the entire series at once. I like to – like, I always read series – like I'll read books, like first books in the series because I get excited. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And if I like it, um, what I tend to do is I wait till like all the books are out and then like I reread and catch up. So um, I think I might do that with the Inheritance Games.
2: Oh, that's pretty, yeah. I'm always like, there's so many books that I want to read and I there aren't enough hours in the day that I don't, it's rare that I reread. But then like with something like this, it's so puzzle heavy and riddle heavy and codes and all that. Yeah, like, I feel like I fun. probably would be lost if I don't, but yeah, I still need to read. Cause it's been a while since I, I think we might've read the first or second around the same time. So it's been a while. Yes, since I, read I
1: think we did. Cause we yeah. were freaking out over. We them. were
2: <laughs> gagging. We were a, in a tizzy. Yes. So just as a reminder, if you didn't catch that episode where we were losing our minds over the inheritance games, Um, it's about Avery Graham's, and Tears already kind of mentioned this, but basically, girl is struggling to write. She's trying to make it in high school. She needs a scholarship. She's trying to get out. And then out of nowhere, she gets left this fortune by this billionaire, Tobias Hawthorne, once he dies. She doesn't know this man, heard of him, yes, but like, doesn't have any... Known connection Connected. to him, yeah, and so, but the catch is, he she has to live in his house, but the other catch is, his family who he did not leave his fortune to is still in that house. So it's a little, you know, a little shysty. So he has like three handsome, brilliant grandsons. Um, they all have different personalities. Some of them are kind of, what? Sus- well, not some one is suspicious of Avery. He's like, what's going on with this girl? Like, what is it? Another views her as like, um, a puzzle to crack, like the last puzzle that their grandfather left them because their grandfather was really big on puzzles and riddles and codes and deciphering things and all that. I forgot the third one's name. It's, it's escaping me. But they're all very interesting. They're all very brilliant, the grandsons. And But there is a secret like surrounding the whole thing because it's like what is Avery's connection to Tobias Hawthorne the uh, patriarchal billionaire and as the story goes on she gets to know the grandson she gets to know some of the other family certain secrets come out she solves some puzzles because she's also pretty good at solving puzzles herself and things slowly get revealed so I'm not gonna spoil anything it's a fun time
1: It is a fun time. It's a
2: fun, good time. Yeah. Yeah. reading might be a good idea for me now that you mention it. I highly recommend them. They're so super fun. They're super fun. So yeah, The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Also, if you read it, you'll be in the know for like, you know, the TikTok girlies or whatever. It has like yeah. 500,000 <laughs> ratings on Goodreads. So,
1: so it's crazy. <laughs> there's that. But yeah. Um, yeah. So my next pick is uh, Lucy Clark Will Not Apologize by Margot Robb. And this is a book that like I don't think is really marketed as a mystery, but I'm always like, oh, it's so good. People read it if you want something cozy, because it is about Lucy Clark who lives um, in a boarding school, but she hates it. She's completely bullied by all these mean girls at boarding school. One day she snaps and she claps back at those mean girls and Mm. it sort of spins out of control for her, um, does not work out well for her. Um, And so she is facing expulsion, but her parents arrange for her to go, like, basically, you know, you're going to be suspended for a time. And rather than like, go live with her parents, which is what she would desperately love to have happen. She's sent to live with her cousin who she doesn't really know who lives in New York City. And her cousin arranges for her to basically be, like, this companion to um, her landlady, um, who's this elderly lady that she's told, like, oh, she's an older lady, she needs help. And so... lucy thinks that like she's going to basically be sitting around in this old lady's apartment like helping her get around and doing like her errands and she thinks it's going to be really boring but then she meets edith when she first arrives and edith is very glamorous and she seems pretty fit and she gets around just fine thank you very much and the first (laughs) time she sees um, lucy she's like okay come with me come with me um and she's like somebody's following me somebody's trying to kill me oh my god Lucy's like what <laughs> and so Edith is nothing like what she imagines and nobody really believes Edith that she thinks that somebody's trying to kill her they're just kind of like oh she's getting older she's probably suffering from dementia like Ugh. you know it's not really happening poor dear um, but Lucy's like you know what what if somebody is trying to kill her and nobody like is going to believe her so she sort of indulges Edith at first being like okay tell me more and then she becomes convinced that somebody is also trying <laughs> <laughs> to kill Edith and so it's really great I like that like you have this teenager working with like an older woman who is very like glamorous and she has a lot of life behind her and she's got some secrets and she's got some really fun friends and they're just trying to solve this mystery of like who's trying to kill her it sort of has like vibes of only murders in the building but um Oh, I, yeah. I could see that
2: Yes, yeah
1: like a young person Helping an older person, and they have like this, you know, unconventional sort of connection, and they're also solving mysteries. It's not quite, I think, yeah. as quirky as Only Murders in the Building, right. um, but it's pretty fun, uh, and it's got some like great Jewish representation because mm-hmm. um, Lucy is Jewish. Um, it's got a lot of really great coming of age stuff. Um, it's, it's it has a really good mystery, so it's Lucy Clark will not apologize by Margot Rab.
2: Yes. So this next one is called *The Secret Key* by Lena Jones. It's part of a new series, new-ish. This came out in 2018, but there are other books. Um, It is the series is called *Agatha Oddly*. So we're talking about cozy mysteries. So you know, Agatha probably make you think of Agatha Christie. Um, So Agatha Oddly is a 13 year old. She is very detectively minded, but she just has been, I guess, waiting for her big case. And she gets the scholarship to a super uh, well-to-do school called St. Regis school. And she doesn't really fit in with the other kids because they're like privileged and stuff like that. But then she notices these strange things happening Um, in the city of London. And it's up to her to crack the case, basically. Now, this is not one I have finished. This is one that I was trying to find just to like flesh out and add some more. Um, Because like I said, I've read some YA thrillers, but not as many cozies as I'd like. So, you know, me stretching outside of my um, comfort zone, I guess. Um, And also, this one is more so, it's kind of like at the cusp of middle grade and YA so on the younger end of the spectrum for YA or the older end for middle grade but yeah it seems like a super cute um, series and it harkens back to Agatha Christie stuff so it's basically like I feel like Agatha Christie before the youngins so it looks super cute I'm excited to finish it again that's The Secret Key by Lena Jones amazing
1: all right um my the last book i want to highlight um before i just give you like a whole list of um books that i think would be great um the marvelous by claire Kahn, which i have not read but i was doing some research and this one was kind of picked as or or flagged as like a cozy-ish mystery and if I didn't even know that this, like, Claire Conn's written a lot of books and I've read a couple of them, but I, for some reason, I completely even missed this existence.
2: I missed this too. I saw it on your I was
1: like, what? I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. So the blurb is literally like a um, quote, this exuberant YA novel follows six teens locked together in a mansion contending for a life-changing cash prize in a competition run by a reclusive heiress, end quote. Um, so that sounds cool so it's basically okay. about this heiress she made this social media video app that became really popular but then she disappeared and nobody knew where she went and now she's making this return and she's invited these 16s to have a weekend at her private estate um, and once they get there she's like okay we're going to play a game and um, it's it's like this this big game with high stakes to win a lot of money and there are three um um point of view characters, Nicole, Luna, and Stella. And um it sounds really fun. It sounds kind of interesting. I do like, you know, a competitive sort of game type mystery. I also like um locked room or like mm. single location type mystery. So I'm not sure if like they can't leave the estate, but you know, they're they're there and they have to solve the mystery within the bounds of that. So I think it sounds really interesting. It came out in 2021. So I have no idea how I missed this, but um you know what i appreciate about claire con's um writing too is it tends to be pretty diverse pretty queer so yeah um yeah that's gonna be fun so, so i thought good. that one sounded good um and then i did just want to give a shout out to a few other mm-hmm. books that um and authors that i think are doing good work like i think Ali carter um you know, her first book was "I'd tell you I'd love you, but then I'd have to kill you," and it's more <laughs> like spy thriller, heisty type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's about that's the school for teenage girls that's teaching them how to be spies, essentially. Um, and it's very fun and flirty. And I mean, those books I think they came out I, I might have still been in high school because I remember being pretty young when I read them, and they were really fun. And she has since written a ton of mysteries and thrillers, and I think they tend to be like I would say on. The the cozier side just because they don't tend to be super dark or violent they tend to be a little bit more lighter and fun mm-hmm. um, but some of them i think are a little bit um like more on the thriller than cozy side but mm-hmm. i think she's really paved the way for this sort of sub-genre um we cannot not mention i think nancy Springer's is a nola holmes series God. Um, i have mentioned yeah and i've i've seen the movie but i have not read the books but i've heard a lot of great things about the books and i think the books kind of start out a little bit more on the middle grade side but by the time you get to the more recent ones they're definitely firmly ya yeah um a new book that I have is on my list is Undercover Latina by Aya De Leon, and that one is about a 14 year old girl. Um, that one might be a little bit more hard hitting um, because it is about a girl trying to infiltrate a like she's a spy, um, and her family's are all spies, and she's um, trying to infiltrate a white supremacy cell. But it doesn't look like it's too dark because it's a 14 year old protagonist. So those are just a few other books that I would say probably are. If not cozy, then pretty cozy adjacent.
2: Yes. And I have to put you on the spot, Tirza, because I feel like (laughs) I feel like we cannot have this whole entire episode and not and not talk about your books. I feel like we have to. I know you don't like you don't really talk about your books much on the show. Um, That's fine. But I feel like we have to talk about your books, at least the first one. Well, thank you. Pride and premeditation, yes. With a beautiful cover, I mean this. This is this is peak YA cozy, I think. Yes, like there's no, yeah, there's no question. Like it's like, yeah, basically. It's
1: funny you say that because, like, I definitely did not set out to like write a cozy YA mystery. Like, I wanted to write something that was funny that was that was witty that um, like took a time period I loved and sort of played around with that world like I like to say that it's an historical mystery because mm-hmm. it is set in a regency period but I take a lot of like liberties with the time period and the setting um, and I do that I think you know I sort of try to do that purposely um, so it's not like you know oh my gosh anything goes but um just kind of playing around in that Jane Austen world and when I set out to write it um I was like I said I wasn't gonna be like oh I want to write a cozy mystery or I want to write something that's like wholesome or you know I hate the term clean but a lot of people call my books clean because there isn't any sex or or violence in them, mm-hmm. um, and I don't. I don't like the term "clean" because sex isn't dirty. But um, that is not something I I purposely set out to do. But when I was working, like with my agent and then with my editor, we were talking about how, like, you know, maybe we should keep it a little bit on the tamer side, just because, like, there's not a lot of hot and heavy romance in, um, like, there's not spice in Jane Austen's, you know. True. And, and the other author I was trying to emulate was Agatha Christie, and there's not a lot of gore or violence or profanity in Agatha Christie's, um, you know, cozier reads. Yeah. And I wanted to write something that was just fun and not too dark, and that is kind of what we came up with. And then, yeah, with working with my editor, she was like, let's just keep it on the tamer side, because she wanted it to, like, appeal to, like, younger YA audiences, as well as older ones, even though the characters are, like, 16 and 17. So that's kind of how I Like I stumbled my way into it and it wasn't until like the book was about to come out that um, I was like, oh, I guess you could really describe it as like a cozy YA mystery. And people were like, oh, I love that. And I was like, oh, that's so funny because I I, it's not that the the term cozy turned me off. It's just like that's not what I set out to do. But it's kind of what ended up happening. Well,
2: you're part of the people who are redefining cozy. And I feel like back to the beginning of the Right. (laughs) Back to the beginning of the conversation, there aren't as many YA cozy mysteries. So you're kind of like paving the way for that, I feel, for more of them to come. So flowers, all the flowers do. But for those who are unfamiliar, would you mind kind of giving like a little synopsis?
1: So Pride and Premeditation is about Lizzie Bennett, who is 17. She lives with her family in London. Her father has been recast as um, a barrister, and she aspires to be just like him when she grows up. Essentially, she wants to practice law. And she's already kind of working behind the scenes at her father's firm because um, his protege is Mr. Collins and Mr. Collins is the worst and he's terrible at his job. And she's constantly cleaning up his mistakes. And so she goes to her father and is like, look, let me let me like work for you for real. And he's kind of like, I don't know, it wouldn't be really proper. And so he says, you have to prove yourself. And she's like, "Okay, I can do that. So she goes out and she decides that she's going to find herself a case and it's going to be like this big splashy case and she's going to, you know, represent and solve it and it's going to be perfect and it will convince her father to hire her full time. And what she finds is that um, Mr. Bingley has been accused of murdering his brother-in-law, George Hurst. And um, he's been hauled off to prison. So she decides, okay, I'm going to get Mr. Bingley to hire me and then I will prove that he didn't do it because she has some questions about the circumstances of his arrest and the murder. It doesn't add up to her. And she thinks that if she can solve this big, splashy society murder, then her father will have to hire her, right? Right. But the only problem with that is, um is Mr. Bingley already has legal representation in the form of his best friend, Darcy. So oh. they are clashing because Darcy is like, who who are you? This is my case. Get out of here. Um, and she's like, you're ignoring quite a lot of evidence. Like, let me help you out. Um, So there's, yeah, there's a lot of fun banter and clashing. And... um The second book retells Sense and Sensibility, it's Sense and Second Degree Murder. And then the third one is Manslaughter Park, which retells Mansfield Park. And so they're each um, their own separate standalone mysteries, although there is a little bit of crossover with characters. And, um, And I'm excited because I'm actually working on copy edits for a sequel to Pride and Premeditation, which should be out next year.
2: Oh I didn't know that. Yeah. Yay. Copy edits. Okay. So it's far kind of far along then. It's
1: yeah, it's have it's it'll be out next November. So a little under a year
2: now. Oh my gosh. Perfect time to have this. Well, a year is a lot happens in a year actually. So yes. like I'll be a different person in a year. But that is exciting. Right. <laughs> since covid i'm like each each year is just a lot but that is super exciting i'm glad to hear that and thank you for the synopsis like i said i feel like this is the perfect cozy ya series especially like it even has the cute punny titles like the titles are like chef's kiss like perfection i love it
1: I I cannot take credit for like the first three titles at all. Like that Fair. was all my editor. She came up with them. She was so smart and I so appreciate her for that. Um, but I did come up with a fourth title. So I was pretty proud of myself for that.
2: I'm excited to hear it when it comes out.
1: <laughs> Yay, thank you.
2: Well, yeah, this has
1: been so much fun. And I hope that we see more great cozy YA mysteries coming out soon because they're yeah, I just love them. They make me mm-hmm. feel so happy. Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, please feel free to leave us feedback about the show on Spotify or Apple podcasts because it helps us know how we're doing and it helps others find us. Um, you can always email us at heyya at bookriot.com as well. If you want to drop us a line and don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts and all things bookish as well as my tdr.co for our TBR subscription plan. Thanks again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. And I've been hanging out on threads more. I'm at tears of price. How about you, Erica?
2: I'm still on Twitter at Erica underscore EZE underscore. I've been meaning to work more on Blue Sky, but I just haven't. So maybe one of these days I'm going to get it together. But yeah, I, I feel like
1: we as a society need to pick between threads and Blue Sky. I can't do I both. I mean,
2: I didn't even get a <laughs> Threads because I was like, let me see how it turns out first. I got to cultivate an audience. Aye, aye, aye. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. no it's a lot I'm, we're millennials we're just yeah. so tired we don't want to so adopt tired. another platform we're so tired Yes. but you can find us on those <laughs>
2: ones, <laughs> I guess <laughs> we're, I guess yeah we're there
1: all right um but yeah next next week I'm really excited because we're going to talk about our favorite books of the year yay yeah so uh, we're not next week but next episode so right. we will see you again in two weeks but until then happy reading
2: happy reading